Grand Sounds. Hi, my name's John Groves, and this is Brand Sounds, the platform for sound communications. Choosing the music. Now, depending who's responsible for the music choice, the end result can be very different. There is a danger of directors and creatives over-involving their egos and putting their desire of winning creative advertising prizes above the job of creating an optimal, homogenous and cohesive piece of audiovisual communication. A common problem is that creative persons are more concerned with aesthetics than marketing matters. And sometimes they have, well, not so much knowledge of the communicative powers of music. But this is something that's going to disappear in the future when sound studies become a part of standard schooling. And some of these guys may even have the prime objective as to be regarded hip by their peers. Mainstream? Moi? I've experienced all the phases, like yellow to the classic thing, you know, Camina Barana, uh, Fat Boy Slim, Massive Attack, Moby, Buddha Bar, the cafes Kos and Del Mar, not to mention uh, drum and bass. But I will mention drum and bass because the trouble is that demographically, most of this music is elitist and has a minority appeal. It creates an impression of hipness in the mind of the creator, but what about the target group? Now you've probably heard me say this, but I'm gonna say it again. The worm has to taste good for the fish and not for the angler. But if we look at car advertising, which usually sets the standards for aesthetics, we went through a long period of using just that drum and bass. One brand after another used the same music style, regardless of the brand attributes, the image or their target group. Even if we disregard the desire for differentiation, the creatives are using the same worms to catch all sorts of fish. Even low-price, mass-market car models have used cutting-edge yuppie sounds in their TV advertising that went way over the heads of their potential buyers. Yeah, the music has just got to fit. I make it sound simple, don't I? But it actually is that simple. The music must fit in one way or another. It must not alienate the receptor or he's just going to switch his brains to standby and he's not going to feel addressed. Look at the target group and decide on a style or genre that won't alienate him. Decide on what function the music should have. Put these two things into your briefing and you're well on your way. But still, marketing managers continue to rely on personal preference to define the sound of their brand. And why is this? Why is everyone suddenly a music expert? The iPod? Who knows? But the fact is, there's a lot of overconfidence of decision makers regarding their music communication choices. The choices are often based on personal subjective taste or their own interpretation of the brand's perceived image, especially when it comes to using certain styles of music or sponsoring a specific artist. Using the right music is important, but don't just take my word for it. There's a wealth of empiric evidence out there that proves that using the wrong music can actually harm the brand. For those of you who don't believe that there's a right or wrong music, I suggest that this evening you create the ambience for a romantic candlelight dinner for you and your partner, and then put on a CD of German marching music. That's going to get you both in the mood. You might be able to sneak a duff music through for a campaign, but when we're talking about the sound of a brand, you can't risk learning by doing, especially considering that music has the potential to become a brand asset. Granted, we're only human. But in the present climate, 
brands just can't afford to make errors. Some say that if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing enough. But let's agree to make an exception in this case, okay? Thanks for listening. Bye. Brand sounds. Music. Brands. Brands.